The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Picard called Dominion. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, be sure to share the podcast with your friends to help. That helps us grow our community and reach more listeners. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We definitely have some excellent listener feedback. And another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy is called The Secrets of Middle Earth. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth. So before we get to talking about Dominion, there is a bit of news uh, coming out from the folks that make Star Trek for us. Uh, the first one is that Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2 has a premiere date of mid-June. I think June 15th or somewhere around June there. June 15th. Yep. yep. And that they have renewed it for a third season already, which seems to be Derriger for uh streaming series these days they renew it even before the episode the season drops uh but uh so good news i think we're all uh have been looking mm -hmm. forward to another season of uh captain pike and friends right yes absolutely yep and in addition to that in the same uh breath they told us that the season is it five already of lower decks is coming mm -hmm. in late summer so probably August, early September, something like that. Um, and then the next season of Prodigy to uh, the beginning of 20, 2024. So, um, we, yeah, and I, I've noted that people have been saying, oh, but they haven't renewed Prodigy for a season three. And I'm going, yeah, because it's a kid show. It's only going to be two seasons. Yeah. 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 And, and it's um, it seems like a, a continuous like from one. To, there might be a week or two in between. There might even be an overlap like they've done recently of uh series you know seasons ending and beginning but we look we have continuous new star trek all the way to the end of the year and probably after prodigies i don't know if they're going to break it up a season again like they did before or what but um, probably yeah after some amount of prodigy that's probably when discovery will will come along and it's, yeah, fifth it's supposed season. to be early 2024 but they haven't given a specific date yet for the and last season of Prodigy, the last, me, not Prodigy's last season of Discovery of Discovery, right? Um, and then, but there's bad news, <laughs> and but there's more, uh, which <laughs> is that the uh, they also announced that they've greenlit Starfleet Academy, the series, which takes place within the Starfleet uh, the the Discovery timeline of the thirty second century. Will probably feature Tilly at Starfleet Academy. I don't know if they'll bring back any of those characters from that one episode that had the uh, the uh, cadets in in jeopardy mm -hmm. with Tilly uh, and all that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have high hopes for it. <laughs> I think it's going to mm -hmm. be more. I don't know if the showrunners and the writers are going to be the same group, probably, you know, from Discovery. Mm -hmm. So I don't have high hopes. Well, it's, I have a feeling it's just by their description is going to be a coming of age high mm -hmm. school drama set in the Star Trek universe. Right. Yeah, there it's it's hard to generate I mean, it I can, it can be done. But you're not 
if it's set in an academy, you're not going anywhere. I mean, you may have field trips. Yeah. But you're not going anywhere and it's going to be it's 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 going to be a lot of interpersonal drama and and there's been enough of that on Discovery already. Yeah. <laughs> well, and given how they've already handled Adara and Gray, uh, oh, or Adara, yeah. I forget what it is, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't have high hopes. So we'll see. One, well, and they, yeah, they, oh, they do, they do say that there is going to be some big bad that they're going to have to fight. So there is going to be some big enemy they're going to have to fight. But again, what does that look like? You know, is this going to be more like Harry Potter in Star Trek? <laughs> that yeah. might not be too <laughs> yeah. bad if it's done right. But I, like I said, I have a feeling it's going to be more about the interpersonal relationships and it's going to be, yeah. you know, Bever- Beverly Hills 90210 set in Star Trek or something could, like could that. Star Trek, the search for the Horcruxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we may, just like we're no longer reviewing Discovery, we may not review that one as well. Yeah. Uh, which means we'll talk about classic track, which we mm-hmm. haven't. I would love to talk about and uh, get do more of. Um, they did drop one other nugget. Alex Kurtzman, who's running all of Star Trek for Paramount, um, did drop the nugget that they have not left behind the Section Thirty One mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh series. That they are actively working on getting that, producing it, coming up with a way to, to do that. So. That does. They haven't announced that they're going to do it, but they still are planning. So we'll take that with the grain of salt, I suppose. Well, I wonder if uh, part of the problem is her star has risen again, <laughs> yes. and she's got doing a lot of things right now. Yeah, and if that's part of the issue, if they want to have her, they've got to fit within her schedule. Yeah, mm-hmm. Academy Awards will do that. <laughs> yeah. So well, so in general, I think lots of positive news for for Star Trek fans. Lots of things happening and good stuff that we've enjoyed is there's more of that is being made. And I think that is the positive to take away from it. So I'm happy for that. All right, let's talk about the positives or the negatives of the, mm-hmm. of our main topic, which is dominion. This episode of Picard, Jimmy, can you give us a recap? This week, the Rafi Musker show is back on hiatus, so we don't see Rafi and Worf. We also don't see Riker and Deanna in this episode. Instead, we're focused on the Titan. After contacting a changeling version of Tuvok, the gang realizes they can't trust anyone and are on their own, so they decide to use a desperate ploy to try to capture Vadic. Pretending to be disabled, they lure her and her crew on board, Using and Jack uses himself as bait. Vadik says she wants to take him to a better place, but he leads them on a chase through corridors, and the gang traps them behind force fields. Vadik then reveals the origin story of her group of changelings. She was one of nine changelings experimented on at Daystrom Station during the Dominion War, apparently by Section 31. This gave her her unusual abilities. It also let her pass on her abilities to other solid life forms. They will have pain and shorter lives, but will be able to shapeshift. This gives Beverly the info she needs to find a way to track changelings the next generation. Vadik is so remorseless and dangerous that Picard and Beverly decide to kill her. But before they can do so, Lore, who is temporarily the dominant personality in the android, uses a network connection to seize control of the ship because you always leave your dangerous multiple personality disorder, one of which is evil androids, connected to the Wi-Fi. Um, he pulls down many of the force fields on the principle that uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and Vatic and her goons escape. 
However, Jack is trapped with one goon and Sidney with another. Jack goes into his super soldier mode and kills his goon. He then enters the mind of Sidney, who is on the other side of a force field, and helps her down the other goon. However, Vatic and her remaining goons then assault the bridge. Captain Shaw is severely injured, and the goons gain control. Now in command of the Titan, Vadik makes a shipwide broadcast and tells Jack that it's time he finally learned who he really is. The end. One thing I wanted to, uh, well, something you said right there, it was that Vadik gained the ability to give solids the ability mm-hmm. to shapeshift. I didn't catch that. I'd have to, I'm going to have to look at that again. Yeah, I thought it was the other way yeah. around, but yeah. You- well, she says she can pass on her. Oh, well, okay. I interpreted it as solids, but she does say she can pass on her abilities and that those who receive them will have pain and shorter lifespans. Yeah. And that told me it was solids in conjunction with Riker's line of previous episode of how much of that goo did they pump into you to one of her crew members. Yeah. Um, Because members of the Great Link, I don't think really have lifespans because the ocean becomes the one and the one becomes becomes the drop and the drop becomes the ocean. I don't think they have lifespans. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was because there was several vials and I thought the vials all contained um, changelings. And that she mm-hmm. just she gained this new ability to be even more human like you know, to form organs, internal organs and stuff and pass that on. But maybe maybe not. We'll be, well, we'll maybe see how that plays out as we go. No, I, yeah. I, I, I took it as well as that. Was talk, she was talking about being able to pass on to changelings the ability to pass as solid. Yeah. And if they don't, if they effectively are immortal, they have no lifespans to ha- now have a lifespan yeah. is a shortened lifespan. So. Yeah, though I would expect the dialogue to say something like, now they'll have only limited lifespans. Mm, yeah. You yeah. would expect that, but that doesn't mean they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, so, but uh, to step back a, a second, just overall impressions. Uh, Jimmy, what was your overall impression of this episode? I liked it. Um, I thought it was an interesting episode. It was a change of pace. From what we've had, because this episode, even though it had some action mm-hmm. kind of in the first towards the end of the first act and towards the end of the last act, it was much slower paced as a whole mm-hmm. than previous episodes. It was more meditative. It was it was a bit more like a horror show because we're told things in flashback and Vatic is acting creepy and there's creepy music and it's slower paced. And it was, it felt like a horror movie to me. There is some action, but it's not dramatic sci-fi action in all the way through in the way some episodes can be. So I thought it was an interesting change of pace and I liked it. I am familiar. One of the guys I've been watching uh, on YouTube is uh, Dave Cullen, who has seen all 10 of them, and he's apparently signed an NDE, so he can't talk really about upcoming episodes. He gives little hints. Mm -hmm. He did not like this. He thought he still, well, I should say he liked it, but he thought it was the weakest episode of the series so far. He liked the previous episode much better. Mm -hmm. But I, I... didn't have that experience. I thought it was a nice change of pace after after you know sci-fi action and stuff to have a more slower paced mm-hmm. let's think about this horror episode. 
Cool. Father Corey? Yeah, I, I agree. This was a, a slower episode, but but to its benefit, you know, I mean, we got more exposition. We learned, we did learn where the cha- you know, the, the changeling faction came from and how they developed as they did, that this wasn't a natural evolution. It was more genetic manipulation than it was an evolution, although they keep using the term evolving an evolution. But uh, we learn more about that. We get, we do get to see the kind of the cat and mouse of, you know, the Titan first hiding and then trying to lure them into a trap. But of course, the Titan ends up being trapped instead. Um, you know, we see lore and then the fight between lore and data within the emotions or within the, the partitions of the Android and stuff like that. And so it was, I thought it was, it was well done again for a, a slower episode, uh, but that has lots of exposition that shows more. Although we do have the monologuing, we do have, of course, you know, Picard and Beverly sitting there talking when they should be shooting, things like that. It felt classic Star Trek-y in that sense, you know, that it do, it's classic Star Trek TV is uh, this, this often the people standing in a room talking in between action sequences. So that felt mm-hmm. sort of classic. I did like the fact that we got a lot, we advanced a lot of, or we revealed a lot from the mystery. So there are a lot of little nuggets given to us to kind of advance us all these questions that we have that are starting to be answered, like where these, these rogue changelings came from. Um, and we also got some other interesting information, which we'll get to in a bit about Picard and Jack and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I do want to start with talking about uh, the, where they are. They're at the Chintaka shipyard, which I'm like, what is Chintaka? That's, just, that's from DS9. DS9. Right, that's mm-hmm. Several major battles of the Dominion War were fought at, in Chintaka, so that's kind of interesting. You would think there'd be the a lot of... Ch- yeah, The Chintaka scrapyard. So there's yeah. lots of junked, broken spaceships here from the Dominion War. Right. Uh, and we hear three blind mice being whistled over the image, mm-hmm. uh, which is turns out to be, have been Vadic, which is kind of curious. And what what we're getting a lot of these little uh, songs, like uh, nursery rock mm-hmm. songs, throughout mm-hmm. the series. And I'm wondering what three blind mice is referring to. That should be interesting. Yeah, we so we should clarify how that comes up. Um, Vadic, just like Odo took the form of the scientist who studied him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vodic did the same thing. Yeah. So it, when when we're flashing back to what happened to Vodic during the Dominion War, there was a Section 31 scientist who was slash torturer mm-hmm. who was experimenting on her and the other eight changelings. And that Section 31 scientist has the same face as Vodic. And as she would go about her work, she would whistle three blind mice. Yeah. Right, right. In the Advotic, which which yeah. which has, if you think about it, so the it's a very it's a very lab experimental song in this context <laughs> because yeah. scientists experiment on mice and they make them run through mazes, see how yep. they run. Right, and she's experimenting on the changelings. That's true. It's interesting that Vodic took the face of her, her torturer, except yep. she's got the scars now, which mm-hmm. is she apparently inflicted on the torturer. Right, right, right. And the project called Project Proteus, and it was designed, Section 31 was apparently, at least according to Vodic, trying to create the perfect spies, which, you know. It's just it's it sounds like the sort of thing some idiot <laughs> bureaucrat yeah. would come up with like oh like if we could control these these uh, foundlings uh, founders we could totally uh, create yeah. perfect let's spies. Take, 
let's take our mortal enemies in wartime and try to turn them <laughs> after torturing them. Just like, who approved this plan? <laughs> what could yeah. possibly go wrong? <laughs> no. It's not like people haven't tried that throughout all of history and it has always, almost always failed. But right. I mean, it kind of is, is a, a bit like the Manchurian Candidate story, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the perfect, um, you know, brainwashed. And that's kind of what they're trying to do is brainwash the changelings uh, into serving the Section 31, I guess. Um, so uh, that, I thought that was fascinating. I'm really glad we got that in this episode, that we got that explanation. Who are these changelings and why are they doing this? But they're apparently not the ones behind the... Mm-hmm. The plot there, they are serving someone else, this right. creature face. And that's the that's a hint that Dave Cullen was willing to drop in his review of this episode that he, he says it kind of obliquely. But basically, he indicated that the changelings are not the big bad mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. season. It's going to be the people behind the changelings. Right. And I wonder if we're going to get again, get another. It's you or know, at least Vodic is not right. the big bad. Right. If it's going to be more like Starfleet, bad people inside Starfleet, which over the past 15 years or so, it seems to be a very common theme that they keep wanting to go back to in Star Trek, which is the the real enemy is inside the this this organization. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, Kelvin Trek did it. Uh, we have, you know, we, we even well, started on Prodigy, right? No, I mean, Lower Decks, well, not Prodigy or yeah. Pro- Prodigy, too, I guess. But yeah. Well, even going back to DS9 with the the changelings where you have Admiral Layton who made it look like all the changelings had invaded Earth and really it was a trick that he had set up right? so that he could get control of Earth. That's true. Even further back. Yeah. 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 Some guys, sometimes sometimes you are in a Ruby Ridge situation, but (laughs) not always. Yeah. We don't have to keep going back to that well for to create the drama. Um. All right, so I was excited to see Tuvok, even if he was a changeling. It was really nice to mm-hmm. see Captain Tuvok there. Uh, and and this was the unplanned or unannounced reappearance that people had been talking about, where it's like, I was showed this to my friend, and she gasped when this character came on screen. It was Tuvok. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's who the reveal was. And it was great to see him. I like the way Seven is interacting with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's at the same time she's talking to him and asking for help. She's also testing him. Mm-hmm. She's suspicious if he's the real Tuvok or if he's a changeling. And sh- so she alludes at one point to all of the um, she alludes to all of the Calto games that she played with Tuvok. And he says, you know, you beat me many times. At Calto. Yes. And she starts to relax. It's like, phew, okay, that was something people, a fake Tuvok would probably not know. But then she says, okay, so let's meet up. And um, actually, she she says, we need your help in contacting people and he's and recruiting people to our side. And he says, that's going to be difficult given your current status. And she says, well, let's meet up somewhere. And he says, anywhere you'd like. And she says, how about Alicon 7? I I had my neural patterns realigned there, you know, I, my neural functioning restabilized there. And he says, OK, great, we'll meet there. And she's like, you are a total changeling. No Vulcan would go to Ac- Acleon or Alicon 7 after the anti-Colonar riots there. Yep. 
And you were the one who realigned my neural functioning in a mind meld in that episode of Voyager, remember? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and at that point, he, Tim Russ gets to break his Tuvok character a little bit mm-hmm. and he, his eyes start to smile and then he gets a little bit of a smile on his mouth and acknowledges, yeah, I'm a changeling. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then he, he, Picard starts talking to him and he changes into a zombified Will Riker. Yep. And says, I'm as good as dead, just like you. And then Jonathan Frakes gets his salary for the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's like, what happened? Where is Riker? Because one of the things they have discovered is there's no trait, there's no record of Riker being in Starfleet custody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and he's like, what's going to happen to Riker? And he turns into Riker. I said, I'm as good as dead, just like you. Mm. They, they did a good job, um, even in the music, as, as uh, Tuvok, big Tuvok and Seven are talking, because she mentions Kelto, and he, he says the thing about, oh, yeah, you've beaten me many times. And when you see her relax, you hear the Voyager theme just under the, mm-hmm, under yeah. the music, just a little bit of it. Luring you but in. But then, of course, it turns <laughs> dark as soon as she realizes that yeah. he's that, not. That was, that was really well done. I have to say, they did a really good job of luring you into that. You know, they, they keep looking for Janeway, right? That's like they're trying to get mm-hmm. – is Janeway Commander-in-Chief Starfleet at this point? It's like, why is Janeway the one she's, they're looking for? They, they, well, because she's an admiral. Yeah. And yeah. so she's high up in the food chain. But uh, and she's still active service. So, right. you know, they and, want to reach her. And she's someone like Tuvok that they that seven trusts implicitly that, right. you know, if this really is Janeway, she's going to do everything she can do to help them. Mm-hmm. Is this contemporary to Prodigy? Is it the, about the same time? Uh, no, yeah. no. This is this is after Prodigy because Prodigy was like twenty four seventy, twenty four eighty, if I remember right. And this is twenty three seventy, twenty three eighty, yeah. somewhere in there. And this is uh, obviously twenty four oh one. Twenty four oh one. Okay, so that okay, all right. So just kind of trying to keep it straight in my head where we are just, with the characters and where Janeway would be. So it is yeah, possible okay. she could be C and C of Starfleet by this point. Yeah. Pro- okay. Prodigy was twenty three eighty three. Okay. All right. So this is twenty years roughly after Prodigy. They also come up with a theory to explain why the why Vatic would want Picard's remains and why they want Jack. The hypothesis, because we know their plot centers on Federation Day when mm-hmm. stupidly <laughs> you they are gathering the entire Federation fleet in Sol system for the celebration. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember every 4th of July, we bring in every ship in the U.S. Navy <laughs> From to the vicinity around Washington, D.C. Right. Yeah. It's like we completely demobilized the fleet that's protecting us and global shipping lanes for everyone. Every 4th of July, we pull that into the into the waters around Washington, D.C. Of course you do that. Um, oh. But uh, Picard was going to give a speech there, as we've heard, and they were going to run a genetic test on him to make sure he was who he says he was because I guess that's Federation protocol now after the Dominion War. Um, And so the idea is they're going to use Picard's human remains to make a replicant, but they need Jack's blood 
for some reason so that it can pass the genetic screening and be animate. Now, none of that is plausible. And I don't think it's the real theory. I don't think so. I, I don't think it's what they're doing. I think they're guessing that Picard and his gang are guessing, but that's not the actual explanation. Yeah. We do find out that Picard's body had some kind of anomaly that was that they thought was this this syndrome. Yes. Eremotic syndrome. Eremotic syndrome. But it might be something else. And so that may be the there's something about that and with combined with Jack's DNA. So it was yeah. a parasite, the, I think they said even, right? Did they say, I, I wasn't they sure just, if I got it right, uh, but I thought they said something about a parasite instead of eremotic syndrome. That would be interesting. I don't remember that. Okay. But yeah. data, data does say that they left it ambiguous. Data says the diagnosis of eremotic syndrome is questionable. And it's an so, anomaly. Yeah. And so that means it's, it's, it's not eremotic syndrome that killed him. It's something else. Yep. Okay. So, and that is presumably but, something that Jack has too. Yeah, but or maybe he doesn't. Uh, so I think this is going to be our golden parachute for Jack. Guess what? You don't have eremotic syndrome. Right. Yeah. What I mean, um, he has whatever was affecting Picard, not eremotic syndrome. And that's the thing that saves correct. him. Right. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Yep. I also like the way, um, at least in the beginning of this episode, there's a great scene with the android where Data and Lore. So they tell us that the files that the android has for Alton Sung and B4 are just like memory read only mm -hmm. data files. So not active personalities. They don't tell us for lol. That's what I um, noticed too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the, um, the data and lol, the data and lore personalities are active and they're fighting it out. And so we get this scene where Brent Spiner is changing between the two roles and it's, it's played really nicely because yeah. lore is so deliciously obnoxious. <laughs> you know, at, at one point data is referring, he's like captain, the, the scimitar, and he's referring back to the events of Star Trek nemesis. Mm -hmm. And Picard just says data that was years ago. Oh, Okay, that would explain why you're so decrepitly old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps doing that, yeah. just switching, you know, Data will start a sentence and Lore will finish it in some way that insults Picard. Yeah. And I like Jordy's daughter, Alondra, says, has 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 Lore always been this arch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a great line. Uh, you may hear that again uh, later on. Uh, and they may actually say something else, too. They, uh, Picard and Jordy are talking and Jordy is like, you know, I'm not going to do anything to put data in jeopardy because we've lost data twice. Now I don't want to lose him again. And, mm -hmm. and Picard says, yes, I've lived through his death twice. Uh, you know, the, the second time being at the end of season one, one, yes, I was keep them straight in my head uh, like data. Uh, so, um, so he's like, we don't want to lose him again. And this is kind of a fascinating thing. Like the character who will not die is data yeah. is kind of fascinating. They keep bringing him back. And well, they, they, they finally remembered you can actually make backup copies of data. Yes. Literally, figuratively data and literally data. You can yes, make backup copies. A per, that was a pun. <laughs> nice, yes. Nice going, father. Nice going. Um, <laughs> so it, yeah, it is interesting that we have these two completely separate personalities at war in separate partitions in the positronic brain. Are we going to now, do you think, have a composite data lore at the end of all this? 
Maybe, and maybe Lal will bring be the one to bring them together. Mm. That would be interesting. That would be nice. A nice resolution of the whole Lal storyline from TNG. I think yeah. that would be good. The, the, the Soong the hologram said that was the idea was that Data would be able to take all these personalities and all this memory and create a, a one that Data controls, mm-hmm. but it, that it's a, a mixture of, of the different personalities. So get more of the humanity from lore. And you know empathy from Lol and things like that, right? Except I don't know why he needs lore at all now because he got the emotion chip in Star Trek Generations. As far as I'm concerned, that's about as human as he's going to get, right? For for a toaster, for a, to- <laughs> for a toaster. You know, and just prior to that scene, there's a scene where Beverly and Picard and I think some others are talking about these new changelings and their un- how their unique genetics make them targetable that they Mm -hmm. could come up with a way to target them genetically, which then raises the moral question of is just like the original dominion war ending virus. This is another morphogenic virus that would be targeted. And would it be genocide now, given that it's ten the changelings at most. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be genocide necessarily unless you consider them a separate species, in which case it would be. Um, but the, the, I like that they had that discussion because it is, and she says she's weighing, she's not adamant on this. She's weighing the morality because once you start targeting someone genetically, you're one step away from genocide Mm -hmm. and yeah. Okay. That's true. You build a virus or something that's, or a weapon or a tracking system that's based on DNA and, you are really getting into those waters. How close are we to that in our own time? Perhaps, you know, that yeah. uh, I've seen some stuff about, you know, uh, killer drones that target people based on facial recognition or that sort of thing. Scary, scary stuff. Well, um, and, there, yeah. and there are concerns that viruses being worked on in labs mm-hmm. are doing the same thing where mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be killer drones. Just release it off into the into the the world and it will, you know, most people will get a little bit sick from it, but the ones that it wants to target will get will be killed by it. We're not all psychologically mm-hmm. scarred by that now, are we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they set this. Jimmy, you mentioned they set this trap for for Vatic. They lure her in to the Chintaka, and um, they. Oh, oh, well, yeah. We, by the way, as part of, as part of that, so setting the stage for that. Um. Vadik has been talking to the hand again <laughs> and 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 her face overlord who's clearly different than her is 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 talking to her and actually tortures her yeah in in the process this is before we learn about her background as a modified changeling by the way like the name proteus Proteus was a figure from Greek mythology who could take different forms, so it's an appropriate name for this project. But the the face, the floating face, is torturing her and making her like melt and stuff uh, painfully, and tells her that uh, we must have the boy, meaning Jack, or you and your kind will find your own existence meaningless. Right, mm. right. Which indicates the face is of a different kind. Yeah, right. right. Before I get to the trap, uh, there is an important scene in a turbo lift with uh, Jack and Sydney, where yeah. where we get that first hint that Jack is, in addition to, 
uh, being a super soldier is apparently telepathic uh, because mm-hmm. he reads Sydney's mind, you know, which, you know, the ultimate dating app. He reads her mind on exactly yeah. what she wants him to do in order for her to be attracted to him. And she freaks her. He freaks her out. <laughs> by, yeah. like, she's like, oh, why does he just touch my hand? And so he touches her hand. And then she's like, did you like in her head? She steps out of the turbo upstairs and goes, did you just read my mind? And then the doors yeah. close, which is a, a really great moment because he's kind of mm-hmm. freaked out, too, because I, I like he's like, I, I got from it. He wasn't sure he actually was reading her mind. And th- right. and then so I, I thought that was well done. And it's mm-hmm. it's a nice show. Don't tell advancement of the plot. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that he's telepathic because he's been hearing mom say, <laughs> find me yeah. like, together soon. So he's been in telepathic contact with his with Beverly. He just hasn't known that's what it is. And now he's starting to figure out I can actually read people's minds. And this is also a setup for the buddy super soldier scene later in the episode. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah, it was. Yeah. Very well done. Nicely done. Um, And he does tell Picard around this point, you know, when they have this discussion, I've always felt there was something wrong with me deep down inside. And it's like, mm. dude, that's all of us. It's called <laughs> original sin. <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, he's, he's barely out of his teens. Like every teenager thinks that there's something wrong with me deep down inside. It's, yeah, that's adolescence. But, uh, you know, <laughs> and I can see where he, where he might have dismissed it as such in the past or Beverly would have. Uh, but now he's going to confirm from that. No, there really is something wrong with you. <laughs> So they they do set up this trap. They have him. Um, one of the things that's interesting to me is Vadik's henchmen are all this weird beak nosed aliens that don't speak English or standard or whatever you want to call it. I think I think it's a mask, but I'm not sure. And I'm kind of curious what that's about. Is it is mm-hmm. it purely dramatic from the showrunner point of view because it it sort of makes them scarier because of you know creatures in a mask who don't speak English. Or is there maybe an internal logic to the story for it? What do you? Mm-hmm. Why do you well, think that is? I think I think we have to see. But I interpreted them as some species that she has shared her changeling powers with. Right. Mm. Going back to the to, to what yeah. you were seeing before, so that might be an indication that you're right on that. Or, or it could be that these are some of the other changelings that were in the lab but that can't do it as perfectly, so they have to have the mask and everything. Otherwise, they still look like changeling underneath. You got me going back and forth between the two theories. See, I, I, I still don't. I, don't still, I still don't see the, the the solid being able to change okay. the other way around. The changeling is being able to become solid. It would be a fascinating development of the changeling lore, that, not the character changelingness, uh, that they could give that pass that on to solids. That would be a fascinating development um, and a big development in in yeah, Star I, Trek. I don't see it because of the antipathy and. How much, the, yeah. The, yeah, how much the changelings, these changelings don't like solids at all. Yeah. I don't see them then saying, but we'll give you the power to become like us. Right, right. So in any <laughs> case, they do set this trap and uh, it goes really well at first, except it's Beverly who notices that um, Vatic is uh, strangely unconcerned about being trapped inside this force field as if she knows something that they don't. Um, and then she goes to the the whole story of project proteus um she does correct picard he says at one point starfleet gave you the cure to the morphogenic virus and she says no we had to steal it which kind of is odo stole it right yeah Mm -hmm. so starfleet didn't exactly give it but 
Yeah, they have, they created it. They had it. Well, we were going to give it to you until Odo took it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. She she also, well, with the help of Brashear and O'Brien. Right. Because they, they forced it out of Luther. What's his last name? Um, the Section 31 head. Yeah. The Section 31 guy. They forced yeah. it out of his dying mind. Right. That's right. Right, right. Now I'm which which also has a great moment in it where they're trapped inside his dying mind and they're in a corridor and O'Brien and Bashir are like slumped down sitting on the floor and it's like, so this is it, and that's the tunnel that everyone talks about. It's like, <laughs> yes, actual real world <laughs> near death experience lore. <laughs> yeah. On the other side of that is heaven, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or judgment anyway. Um, Vadik also tells Picard and Beverly that Jack was never really for you either. Yes. Which is uh, obviously a significant line. Um, what her specific line about the cure is one of our own had to steal it. And so yep. that would be Odo's involvement in that plot. OK. OK. Now, the whole reason Vadik and her henchmen are able to escape the trap is only because Lore... Mm-hmm. gets involved. So why was she so confident unless she knew that Lore was going to be on their side and help them? I, I, she, I, I, I don't, I think she was just confident because she's a supervillain. Okay. Um, And she, I don't think she has any knowledge of Lore. They certainly wouldn't have known that they were going to take data. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. they'll come back and say, aha, I'm so evilly clever. I knew you were going to take him, but yeah. Yeah. You know, there are too many, as as um, as uh, Jeeves would say, there are too many imponderables in such a plan. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and it's possible this is something that we'll we'll find out like next the next episode that, mm-hmm. you know, she did know that that she had worked with Laura on this and, you know, right. So on and so on. So, I mean, it's. I don't know. Right now, it's just kind of like, like you said, she's just the super villain villain that's overly confident and was actually successfully overly confident. I also get the sense that Vadik is suffering um, mental effects from the torture and other aspects of her pained existence. Mm -hmm. uh, So that that could also explain some of it. I like it when she's happy. You know, <laughs> yes. I want my supervillains to be happy as they're doing evil. <laughs> so hello, <laughs> so maniacally happy. <laughs> yes, that that was that's suitably creepy. Uh, so Lord does get loose, of course, and starts running havoc because, as you said, Jimmy, he someone left him connected to the Wi-Fi, and uh, and and so. We have this moment where have you never heard of air gaps? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, Especially in the twenty, the twenty fourth and fifth century. Well, and they even they even show on the screen that he was in sleep mode, you know, stasis mode, and so you know, mm-hmm. it's like putting your computer to sleep. But was it really put to sleep? So we end up having Jordy having to plead with Lore f- and for Data to come out, you know, and trying to, to get re- through to Data, yeah, yeah. and trying to remind him, uh, and it's. He doesn't get through too late. But my sense is, my my expectation is that this is the fly in the ointment that Vodic isn't expecting that data will be key to mm-hmm. to overturning her control of the Titan and, and and whatnot. But I guess like she had to take the Titan now because we have to move to the next phase, which is the Frontier Day thing and that final confrontation, which obviously will happen at the last minute with Frontier Day, you know, and uh, everything will have to be solved at the last second. Right. 
Yeah. I want to say there's some really nice acting and writing on the part of the Geordie LaForge character in the conversation with Data Lore. Mm-hmm. Um, LeVar Burton really acts his heart out talking about because, you know, he was Data's closest friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the Enterprise. And and he has not had the experience of Picard of getting to say goodbye to him. Data, both of the times he died was with Picard, not with Geordi. Mm-hmm. And he tells, he talking to the android, but specifically hoping to get through to the Data personality, he says, when you died, it broke me. Right. And then the memory of you repaired me. And he's trying to make this connection with this submerged personality. And he he is he gets really emotional. And it's really I thought it was well written. I thought it was really well acted. And I liked that. Yeah, yeah. I think the writer on this episode did a better job writing Jordy than the writer in the last episode. I mean, it was OK <laughs> last episode, but I think this writer got Jordy better than the previous one. He's also he's also at a different position in the plot. In the story. Yeah. You know, he's been integrated into the crew now. Last uh, last episode was all about will he, won't he, and now he's committed. And so now he's much more like the regular Geordie. Right. Also, speaking of being out of character, though, Beverly and, and Picard decide to just kill Vodic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, I haven't seen them do that before. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason they, they, I mean, they actually, when the force fields come down, they actually fire at mm-hmm. the changeling, both of them. Right. And it gets away. But they were prepared. They consciously, they discuss it. And they're going to kill Vodic just in cold blood because she's too dangerous. Right. Right. I mean, we've seen Picard make decisions like that in the past, you know, where, and, and, so, and it sort of reminds me a little bit, of, you know, of the, um, the the DS, the famous DS9 episode with with uh, um, Cisco making the, the decision pale, the pale in the pale moonlight, yeah, um, making sort of in the moment decisions that you know, casting aside the morality, this is a necessity sort of things. The end justifying mm-hmm. the means. Yeah, yeah, even, but not, I haven't seen Picard say, "Okay, we have this person in a force field at our mercy. They are contained. Their threat is neutralized. Let's kill them." Right. Right. Well, you, you will even have Beverly saying, I've made an oath not to do this, but essentially forget the oath. I'm going to do it anyways. Right. 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 I, I, uh, yeah. She says, yeah, I took an oath to do no harm, but you should know I'm rethinking that promise. Uh, yeah. And and I guess the, the, the difference here is their child is at stake and, you know, versus, you know, the more theoretical things. So interesting. As well as all of the Federation, apparently. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this could get into the arguments for or against death penalty. Is this a person that you could safely contain? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and stuff like that. It's like also she's your best source of information right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're trying to save the Federation, keep her around for a while. Yep. Yep. So uh, the episode does end with Vatic, you know, sitting in the chair of the, the captain's chair of the Titan and speaking over the intercom for the ship and says, Jack. If you can hear me, it's time you learned who you truly are. So they've they've made a promise here. <laughs> we'll yep. see if they follow yep. up in the next episode. But uh, that would be nice to find out uh, more about who Jack really is and what's really going on. Uh, we've only got a few episodes left of the of this season, so three more. Yeah, we, three. We've got to get we've got to get the uh, some some answers going here, so we can really bring the resolution. 
Uh, any other notes on this episode, uh, Father Corey? Yeah, a bunch. <laughs> Not, <laughs> nothing Father here. Corey? So I'll let, I'll let Jimmy do his. Yeah. I got nothing. Okay. Okay, because we leaped over several aspects of the of the story. Um, so one of them is um, the the buddy super soldier scene where you've got Jack on one side of a force field with a goon and Sydney on another side of the force field with a goon and Jack immediately dispatches his and then he starts talking telepathically to Sydney to help her and then he does something that's a little telepathic that's a little hard to describe but it what he's doing is either showing her the moves or guiding her through the moves that she needs to perform in order to kill the changeling, or he's just seized control of her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's what's unclear is how much in control is he, but he is definitely guiding her through the movements to kill that goon on her side of the force field. And so it's like, she, you could read that as she's just become his puppet and he's possessing her, or it may not be that, intense it may be he's going through the motions on his side of the force field and that's giving her a feel for what she needs to do um but okay telepathic super soldiery that's kind of significant mm-hmm. um let's see then uh as a result of being able to look up now that Beverly has the name Project Proteus, she's able to look it up on the Daystrom Station manifest, and she finds out that all that the that Vodic and her cohort were experimented on in a way that involved an element called Thelonium eight four seven. Now, this is not a real element. Um, it obviously is a very high heavy element um, because it's got. An atom- it's got the number of nuclides in it, meaning protons and neutrons, is 847. And that's considerably higher than the highest element that we have. The highest element we have is element 118, or recently named organesson. And the highest isotope of it has 294 nucleotide nuclides in it um and so this so about 300 and this element has almost 900 Mm -hmm. so this is a considerably heavier element and she describes it as a stabilizing agent which it could be because one of the current predictions in physics as elements get heavier and heavier they the the strong nuclear force has a harder time keeping the protons from repelling each other Mm. and they tend to fall apart and that's why higher number elements like uranium and plutonium are radioactive um, and tend to experience nuclear fission and the heavier the element gets thus far you know on average the more it tends to split the shorter its half-life is but it is theorized that just a little bit beyond element 118, there should be what's referred to as the island of stability, where instead of getting shorter, the half-lives start getting longer again. And so it could be that this uh, thelonium element with, an, with, with uh, you know, a, a, a number of 847 protons and neutrons 
could be in that island of stability. It could be more stable and used for stabilizing some process, like Beverly said. So there's a hidden bit of good science in there. Mm. Um, then let's see. Uh, when Vodic is on the bridge. Oh, but they since they've found this radioactive element, they can now that's that's involved in the changeling biology of these modified changelings. They can now track them. And because that, you look, right. you look for the thelonium eight four seven. That's going to tell you where the changelings are. Right. Um. Then when they get when the when Vadik gets on the bridge, she says, um, you know, she's talking about how she's she's not a solid. She's fluid, and being liquid gives you this whole other perspective. You know what the river knows, and the river knows there are many ways to the same sea. And I'm going, you may know what rivers know, but you don't know much about geology. Mm. If you know what a river knows, it knows there's one way to the sea, It the way it takes. It doesn't know about other rivers. That's so... Uh, I thought the writing was weak on that line. Also, um, I want to know... Where are all the security officers? Well, they, Why are there? They offloaded I mean, everybody. No, yeah. they 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 left a skeleton crew, and that should include security officers. You're going into a dangerous situation. Is is Rolaren really going to take all of their security, given the dangers of the situation? Well, being as her own security officers that were with her were changelings. Yeah, actually, I can see that being a plausible <laughs> thing that they would she, that the changelings would go for the. Uh, would go for the, the position of security. She didn't. I mean, changelings may go for a position of security, but she didn't know her security guards were changelings. That was a surprise to her. Um, so I, it, it, I, I know we want to focus on our main characters, but security should have had a better role, and Vodic and her goons should not have just been able to walk onto the bridge at the end of the episode. Okay. Not without a fight. Right. Uh, more than beating up Captain Shaw. Again. Hmm. <laughs> guy's, yeah, again. This guy's getting beat up in this series. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I guess is so uh, I think that's all for this time. Yeah. Let's move on to our feedback from last episode, The Bounty. And our first feedback comes from YouTube from August, who writes, maybe I'm wish casting, but I think all signs point to a return of the Enterprise D. In my opinion, Jordy is working on it in that hangar in his spare time, and they need those older, untraceable and undamaged ships for the inevitable confrontation. Ter Terry Metalis is a big TNG fan, and if I had the keys to the car like he did, I would bring it back. Um, I could see the older ships definitely playing a part. Uh, there was actually some comments on Discord about how the closing credits might show things like the Defiant A and Voyager involved. Now, John, you said that you thought that this was the Fleet Museum. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think that was the Fleet Museum that they showed because it was a different well, it was type of station. It was no, it was labeled Starfleet Museum. So the Starfleet no, Museum this was, is, this was, is the old no, the, uh, Starbase One around no, Earth. This, no, well, Starbase One wasn't around Earth. I mean, the, it's a different star the space dock. Sorry, the space dock around yeah. Earth is the is the uh, Starfleet Museum at Athen Prime or whatever but it was. The, now, yeah, the picture that that they showed on Discord wasn't the Fleet Museum. It was another station where I had focused on all the uh, registry numbers, but between the registry numbers were were silhouettes of ships, other ships. 
like the Defiant and the Voyager and Enterprise A, mm. uh, but it wasn't listed those those ships. This was a different scene that or different scene in the closing credits oh, okay. from the Fleet Museum. Oh, okay. This is this is the one where you see the the station and then there's all the registry numbers around. Okay. So I, I agree with the idea that these older ships are going to play a part because it's looking like the plot is to destroy the fleet when it's all gathered in one place or to take over the fleet when it's all gathered in one place. Right. Um, as far as the D, do we really need to have the D recreated? Do we really need it? It'd be one thing I if mean, he was building a scale model, but it's a big, like I, the idea that Jordy would build this massive starship, like you got to remember how big these things are with the massive amount of resources involved yeah. to rebuild and it. We it, it would it, it wouldn't be rebuilding it. It would be repairing it because right. the parts of it do it did. I mean, they survived that saucer crash. Yeah. So the saucer held together enough that they didn't all die. Yeah. Yeah. You could take the star drive from an, from a decommissioned galaxy class and put the, you know, rebuild the saucer and all that. But yeah, now the E is questionable. The E is questionable whether or not it was actually destroyed in Prodigy. Right. Or if it was just decommissioned, which yeah. means could could that uh, that hangar bay contain the E. Right. And that, I think, would be a little more plausible. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Or it could be just something entirely different, but I think Hangar Twelve is going to play a role in the future. Yeah. They don't, you don't and, drop that and then then not, not and, follow I, up. And, I, and again, I can see the the uh, other ships, the other ships at the Fleet Museum, at least the ones that are you know more recent, Voyager and mm -hmm. Defiant Day and things like that, playing a role. I can yeah. absolutely see that as well. Yep. So uh, okay. I'm profoundly nervous about those possibilities, but I don't exclude them as the way the writer is going to go. <laughs> Our uh, next feedback comes from Chris S., who sent in the email, who says uh, simply, thank you. That's it. That's the feedback for this week. And this is the, what uh, Chris included in the email. For those of you listening, it's a photo of a bottle of left-hand brewing milk stout nitro and a half-empty glass. Uh, Good choice. <laughs> Good choice. I think, I think the glass is half full. <laughs> I when you're drinking beer, it's always pessimistic. <laughs> it's always half empty. It's, 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 <laughs> you're always halfway to the next one. Let's put it that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chris. That was uh, that was appreciated. All right. And uh, that's it for our feedback this time. Uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including David B., Jordana A., Jason E., Ricky T., and Jim H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you think of this episode of Picard called Dominion. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to Trek at sqpn.com or visit that StarQuest, or StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. You can also leave comments on our YouTube channel where you can watch The Secrets of Star Trek at youtube.com slash Media. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Star Trek Picard called Surrender. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Don, but now I want a beer. It's <laughs> early in the morning, so I can't. <laughs> Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. 
Thank you. I'll be happy to meet you at Acleon 7 and don't live long or prosper. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, has lore always been this arch? Yes. Yes, he has. (laughs) 